This is East Lansing Insider, brought to you by ELI on Impact 89FM. In this show, we break down all of the news and happenings in the East Lansing community. And now, today's East Lansing Insider. Hello, and welcome to this episode of East Lansing Insider. My name is Emily Joan Elliott, and I'm the manager of East Lansing Info. Today, I have with me Alex Hosey, who recently graduated from East Lansing High School. As a high school student, he became a local civil rights activist and is graduating and attending Michigan State University in the fall. Thank you for joining us today, Alex. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. It's nice to be here. Thank you. I should also say that Alex has reported for Eli in the past after completing our summer youth journalism program. Um, So as a high school student, you not only were involved in East Lansing Info, but you became a civil rights activist within East Lansing. So what made you interested in the history of civil rights? You know, it's kind of crazy when I look back at it. Because at first, you know, I didn't know my own history. Um, So when I started to get delve a little bit into it, um, especially during the, uh, there's some cases that were going on, like Michael Brown and things of that nature. And I remember watching them distinctively on television and getting super angry that this was happening to people that looked just like me. It could have been my cousin. It could have been one of my older co- my older brother, for goodness sakes. And it really resonated with me. And the fact that people were just like, oh, that's over there. I was like, what are you talking about? That happens all the time. And when I was younger, I got pulled over by the police in my right, right next to my dad in our own neighborhood because they didn't think we belonged. So that really gave me uh, a spark to, to look into things and then understand that, wow, things are really not changing the way that I think they should, especially in the area that I live in. So I thought I needed to do something at least. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about that occasion in which you were stopped by the police? There's more than one, but let's do the uh, let's do the one that is the most vivid in my mind. Mm-hmm. So my dad and I, we had gotten back from uh, Jimmy John's. We were getting dinner and we were driving in our neighborhood. Um, we ended up stopping at a stoplight and then we started driving. And then sirens came on and we were like, wait, what's happening right now? And then, so we were already in like our neighborhood going towards our house and we got pulled over and they said, uh, what are you guys doing here at this hour? And we were like, we're going home. And they were like, yeah, sorry. We just were pulling over people because, you know, the people in the neighborhood were saying people were being too loud and there's too many people coming in and out of the neighborhood. And we were like, uh, my dad was like, so, you know, we live over there, right? And he was like, what? And then he was like, showed him the address where we lived. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, still blah, 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 blah. And I was sitting there stunned, like, I'm not stupid. We know what's going on right now. And I was a kid and truly I didn't know what racism was. So I was just sitting there like, why is he pretending like he doesn't know what's happening? So. Mm that really opened my eyes to like there's a difference between me and other kids because I had never heard any stories of this type of thing happening because I went to a majority white school I went to Okemos at that time so Mm -hmm. I was sitting there confused as to what was happening 
But my dad later explained to me exactly what was going on. And I was like, wow, so is this going to happen for the rest of my life? And I started to become wary of the police more so. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. So your dad, Sam Hosey, serves on Eli's board of directors. And I know your grandfather recently passed away. And he was a trailblazer for taking on positions in East Lansing and in the community that African-Americans had previously not held before. So I'm curious if you wanted to share about how your family history has maybe played a role in your interest in civil rights. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, I, as I had said before, I didn't even know my own history, as in my mm-hmm. family's history. I didn't know that my grandfather had truly been a trailblazer. My grandmother had been a trailblazer. They, there's a lot of uh, people in my life that before me had already done such tremendous and wonderful things. And I actually didn't find any of this out until after I had decided to, you know, <laughs> do my protest. So it was like, dang, this is really in my blood for real. I, I always knew that something was different about my family, but I couldn't put my finger on it because we just didn't um, go towards things in a certain way. So we didn't do everything everybody else did. We always, you know, the peer pressure thing, that was never a thing for myself and people in my family. They told us from the beginning, do what you believe and do not let anybody compromise that. And so with that, it was always easy to be like, nah, I'm not trying to go there. Nope, I'm not doing that. So I thank them so much for that. It was instilled in me at a young, young age, like three, four, five, that type of stuff. And I didn't realize it until I got older that people grew up completely different ways. And like it, I feel like an alien almost because of how different I was from most people. That is pretty impressive to be encouraged and have the willpower and the backing of your parents to not give into peer pressure. Um, you mentioned that you didn't know your family history until your first protest. So can you share with us what that protest was? Yeah. So when I was 14, you know, fresh, freshly in high school, I decided to sit for the national anthem at my first uh, freshman basketball game. And with that came a lot of, you know, eyebrows, people looking at me like, bro, stand up, that type of thing. And I just, you know, kept my head down, did my thing. Once it was over, went and played. But my coach, he had asked me to, you know, talk with him on the side afterwards, talk with him and my parents. So I was like, oh, gosh, here we go again. Here's one of these types of things. And it turned out all he wanted to do was talk. He just wanted to know exactly why I had decided to, you know, take my stance. And him and my parents both thought that I couldn't do this in a typical way. I needed to do it in a way that was intelligent and spoke exactly what I believed and what I wanted. And so my parents, after this conversation, were like, so you're going to have to write an article. I was like, wait, 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 what? You know, I'm a 14-year-old freshman already packed with a whole bunch of work trying to get a high GPA. And they're like, I have another assignment? Like, come on now. But it was okay, though, because um, it really (laughs) opened my eyes to how much information is out there. I had to read some books 
uh, do a lot of research on different topics. And one of these books was The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Uh, that book is literally one of my favorite books ever. It just has so much information. Um, and then there's another one, Lies My Teachers Told Me. Um, they're just amazing books that really opened my eyes to the world of adulting, <laughs> you could say. And I just realized that, wow, there's a lot of information out there that most people will never get their hands on unless somebody else tells them about it. And so I tried to really take the assignment seriously. Um, I took a long time. I ended up like aging. I ended up uh, getting a little bit older, turned 15 during this time. So it took me quite a while to get it done. And when I did it, you know, I turned it in to my parents, to my uh, my coach. And I was like, okay, hands off. I'm I'm done. Thank you very much. And I thought I was, I thought I was gooch, but nope, I was not. I was wondering if we could backtrack a second for what encouraged you to sit during the national anthem? Like what was in your mind as you made that decision? So there's probably a few types of thoughts that I could come to a conclusion about that I was thinking of at the time. I mean, there was a lot of things happening at that point in time. Like four years ago, there was uh, the Kaepernick thing. So that could be one of the things uh, just racial injustice, period. Maybe some experience I had at the time mm -hmm. that really had pushed me over the edge. There's a few, there's a culmination of things that could have went into it. And I just snapped and decided, you know what? It's time to actually do something and not just sit complacent and just be like, you know what? It's not happening directly to me. So I'm okay. But nah, it was like I had to do something right now. Like I remember hearing everybody please rise and I was like you know what it's time mm -hmm. and I just sat and people looked at me you know the usual type of thing when somebody does it for like the first time the awkward stares the little glances the little whispers but I didn't care I thought that this really needed to be done so that's why I decided to do it so when you worked on this assignment, my understanding is you had to explain, you know, the rationale behind why you didn't stand. So I'm wondering if you could say, share with us maybe the contents of that assignment, what you, you know, told your parents and your coach. Definitely, definitely. So I uh, kind of did like a rundown of the information the, or the, um, the background of East Lansing when it comes to redlining and how it has affected us. And with writing um, the essay, I found some information about my family. Um, there's a, let me backtrack just a smidge. So there's a couple of versions of the essay that I wrote. So, you know, when I thought I was done, hands off. Yeah, I had to do come back and do another one. So mm. <laughs> that happened, I think, a couple of times, but, uh, and I added up, I ended up adding more and more information and so it went, the the background information of East Lansing, and then I ended up putting information about my own grandparents in it, because, you know, I had learned it at the time, and I was like, whoa, so I added that, and then that came after that was the uh, the requests, I should say. The first one was the acknowledgement, and the second one was the teaching. So the first one, the acknowledgement of the fact that this happened in the first place, because it's 
widely thought that this stuff is in the past. This happened 50 years ago. This should not be relevant today. Just leave it in the past. Just be quiet. You know, this, I'm not trying to hear about it, but it's still, as we went forward with the um, investigation, I suppose, people came forward and gave us like deeds to their houses. And there was clauses speaking that this could not, this house could not be sold to anyone that was not of the whites or Caucasian race. And this was an occurrence deed that somebody had in their house. And so it was like, it was eye opening. It was like somebody opened the window. It was like, here you go. This is a whole bunch of stuff that has been here the whole time and has been waiting to get out. Right. And when we uh, actually finally decided to take a look, there was a lot of acknowledgement and the notions that had to come from it because there was a lot of history of mistreatment with my my family, my own family, you know. So I just needed that to be thing. But the more important thing was the education of the whole subject. Because I had never heard anything about redlining outside of my own family. We didn't learn in school. There's not a tinge of anything about it. No, no, correction. There is a vocab term in freshman history or social studies, whichever it's called at this point. And I remember, I think it was redlining. And I was like, okay, cool. Because I had more information on it. We got to that point. I was like, okay. Cool. So uh, where's everything else? Nope. They breezed right by it and went towards, I don't know, some president or something. It just showed that there's really, you really have to do the work yourself if you wanted to learn. And I didn't think that was right. I mean, I was lucky enough to be, to have who I have in my background, my parents, my grandparents, my uncles, my cousins, to all push me towards further learning outside of school. But not everybody has that. So mm-hmm. I thought that they should have a fair shot of actually learning what is going on or what has gone on in the past so that they can be more educated for their own future, for their own decisions, um, and broaden their own perspective. Right. So when you said requests, you meant that you had requests of perhaps the city or the district, correct? Indeed, yes. Okay. So... My understanding is the city of East Lansing did issue an apology for its history of redlining. So I'm wondering if you could speak about that and what has happened since in the city. Has that history been reckoned with or has maybe the work that the city said it would begin in 2016 or 2017 kind of fallen off? Can you speak about that? Yeah, you kind of in your question, it really was starting to resonate. I was trying to remember exactly all the events that have happened since that moment. Mm-hmm. And it was like a little flash, an instant of realization, I guess, that a lot of the stuff hasn't really changed like that. I mean, my favorite part, you know, the learning aspect was most definitely taken care of. The acknowledgement to a certain extent, yes, it was taken care of as well with the resolution in April of 2019. However, after that, in our discussion, our town hall, you could call it, um, speaking, you know, trying to talk to the people in the community about this type of thing. After that, it was nothing. It was radio silence. There was no really more discussion about it. Like, I didn't have much contact with these 
the uh, city anymore about creating another event like they said they would try to. And a lot of events happened in between there involving like police brutality, even in East Lansing and Michigan State and that sort of thing. And they were on the ropes with that. So there's a lot of things that have happened, but it, they didn't quite live up to what they had said they were going to do. Sure. I definitely hope so. I can see a way that it could change, especially now with, you know, new members of the city council and uh, the mayor and things of that nature. So I believe that there is change that is coming, especially, you know, with the um, the recognition of the Armenian um, situation with that type of thing. I believe that they still have their eyes open to injustice, but I just don't think that they are taking the necessary steps involving you know doing something about it they're recognizing you know doing all the verbal the precursors i should say to what should happen which was action an action in some way of doing something about these things and i guess moving forward in the future instead of continuing the cycle of little recognition and then silence because you know everything's okay now everybody's we recognize everybody, so we're good moving forward. We're, I know that they can and that they, and I hope that they will do more than that this time. Got it. Um, so you mentioned teaching was a request of yours. And did you mean teaching the community as in everyone in East Lansing? Or were you hoping for changes in the East Lansing public schools curriculum? Really, in my heart, I wanted all of it. Mm-hmm. Because... I had asked that, you know, the uh, events, the town hall event would be more of an annual or semi-annual thing, especially since we got such positive feedback from the event itself. Um, so I wanted others to that were outside of school to gain information, but that never ended up happening, unfortunately. But with the public schools, that one is in play. That was one another aspect of it. And so I remember I ended up speaking with Miss Barridge. Um, she's the chair of social studies in at East Lansing Public Schools. So we we had a talk about it. You know, get, I gave some suggestions about it, and she ended up creating a curriculum, um, a, a little unit based off of the information that has been left out, including like redlining, the Great Migration things of that nature that involve uh, African-American culture. So, and trying to teach a little bit more about injustice in a way that hadn't been taught in East Lansing before. Okay. Um, so we've also talked about the city and the work it could do. And I understand you had an internship where you shadowed Mayor Stevens. And I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that, why you pursued that position and what you did while working with him. I thought it would be a great opportunity because I, I know him. I knew him before because of the city council, when he was on the city council. Um, and we had kind of a connection. Maybe it was the age barrier. I, I'm not quite sure, but I really just saw him as, you know, a kind of mentor in a way and a guy that I could really look up to that put in the work, put in the effort to get to where he was at such a young age. And I was like, man, I can do that. And so I really wanted to get to know how he was doing in the whole situation of being a mayor, you know, because it was kind of dumped on him and everything. And I really thought that it would be great experience if I myself want to go into politics later on, how somebody would take care of a situation like that. 
especially at being, you know, younger and everything, would it change when people act differently towards you because you are younger, um, because you're a person of color? I wanted to see exactly every step. I wanted to be meticulous in my study of how the world works. It was kind of my way of taking a step into the adult world and seeing how it really was behind all of the you know, the pleasantries and the fakeness, basically, of, oh, no, everybody's, oh, everybody's okay, equal, yeah, past all of that nonsense that we all know that most people don't even think about, um, or think is true, I wanted to see how people truly act, because actions speak louder than words, so I wanted to see what their, what their actions was talking about, so I, uh, took that opportunity, you know, I wanted to just I kind of also just wanted to hang out because, you know, 2020 was a rough year, so I wanted to get out the house a little bit, but I thought it was a great opportunity to see how things work in behind the scenes. So I ended up, you know, helping him out with some different assignments that he gave me to do and watching him, shadowing him, going out and handing out masks on campus, things that affect the city on a large scale and on a minute scale. Um, and it was a really cool experience. Most definitely, I would never take that back ever. So for our listeners who might not know, Aaron Stevens became mayor in July 2020 when Ruth Bayer, the then mayor, um, resigned suddenly. And Aaron Stevens was elected to council when he was still a student at MSU. He's since graduated and thus was a very young council member and then a young mayor. So is there a major lesson or event that maybe stuck with you from the internship? Like one moment that you'll kind of hold with you forever from it? There's some comical moments that I, <laughs> that I most definitely will. But uh, let's let's move past those ones. <laughs> but um, I learned that optimism isn't always the best or idealism isn't always the best way to go about things. I was seeing how actually with my age when I was younger, how it was much easier or how differently people communicated with me Mm -hmm. versus how they communicated with someone that was maybe a little bit older. Um, Because, you know, there's the novelty in being a, a kid kid, like being a 14 year old kid. People are like, wow, you're really learning this stuff. But when you get to be my age now, currently, 18 people take it more seriously it's less of a joking matter and you really have to change your perspective on things and i saw saw that firsthand and i tried to think of things in the same way as i had before but it was a different approach i thought that giving people the benefit of the doubt in certain conversations or believing that they were going to do what they said i believed that that was going to happen but it did not in certain circumstances let me give you some context to this uh, little tangent. Um, when I was talking with Mayor Stevens, you know, we set up certain meetings with uh, influential people in the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had conversations about things that were going on, things that were going to happen in the future. And I ended up asking some questions and I believed everything that they said, like just off the bat. You know, I thought that was how it was supposed to work. And then after the meeting, Aaron and I, we conversed together afterwards, and he gave me his mind about things and, or his two cents about everything that was said. And I was like, whoa, you're right. I didn't even notice the the subtle things um, about people's character, about what they were saying, their body language. 
and he was just like, yeah, I don't believe this and that, or certain aspects of what they said didn't match up. And I was like, wow, there's so much that I missed because I was trying to be optimistic and I wasn't analyzing their every move. And I was being a kid. So I was like, wow, I really need to grow up quick. If I want to do something like this, if I want to do something serious, I need to, I guess, become more cynical, but not in the traditional, like, brooding brute type, like, as in more um, realistic in my approach to life. Yeah, that's an important lesson to learn. And we have about three minutes left here. So you talked about this was something important to learn moving forward. So you're attending Michigan State University in the fall. Can you tell us a bit about what you hope to study there and what you might do going forward? So it's an interesting situation because going into college, you know, my senior year, I had made so many plans. You know, I was going to be a lawyer, going to be a politician, do this and that. But as I gained more information about the world, I was just like, wow, there's so much out there. Why limit myself to certain things that I thought when I had a child's perspective, when I can do so much more, you know, become a teacher, a professor, if I wanted to, I could um, just go to different countries, travel and do so many different things. So I, I think I'm still on my journey to try and learn exactly what I truly want to do. I was going to do what I thought I had the skills for, I thought I wanted to do, and the whispers had told me to do, but I truly want to figure out what I want to do as a you know, as a black kid growing up in the suburbs, I don't have a, the greatest perspective of the world outside of my small community. So I need to branch out and gain more information about the outside world so that I can make an educated decision on who I want to be, who I want to represent, and how I want to represent myself moving forward in the world, you know. So I'm excited to go to college for that reason, to figure out exactly what I want to do and how I want to do it. Great. Well, we wish you the best of luck at Michigan State University. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in today. We had with us Alex Hosey, who, as a high school student, became a local civil rights activist. He, after looking into his family history and the wider history of civil rights in East Lansing, got the city to issue an apology for his history of redlining. Um, if you'd like to see some of the reporting Alex has done for East Lansing Info, you can visit eastlansinginfo.news and search Alex Hosey. Thanks again, Alex, for joining us and good luck. <laughs> Thank you. This was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, hopefully we could have you on again and do a follow up after you finish a year at MSU. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. Thanks. East Lansing Insider is brought to you by ELI on Impact 89 FM. We are on the web at eastlansinginfo.news and impact89fm.org. Thanks for listening.